say why we're doing the things that we're doing. And when we start to answer the whys and why the team first mentality is so important, then we start to, it starts to resonate to who we are on the field and how we go about our business. So, um, you know, success is going to be the level of consistency in which we do things here to come the fall. There he is, the head coach that's picked to win the conference with 41 first place votes earlier today. Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian. And oddly enough, Travis, I read a headline on on three. Like an hour before the uh, preseason uh, Big Twelve, the Big Twelve uh, preseason poll was released, that said uh, Texas not winning the Big Twelve would be a failure. Think about that. Like there, there's people that think, well, if Texas doesn't win the league they haven't won in over a decade, it should be considered a massive failure. Well, here you go, Sark. On paper, a lot of people think you have the best team. But if you don't get it done, if you don't win Texas' first conference championship since 2009, then, buddy, you could be on the hot seat because it will be considered a failure. Picked to win the league by a wide margin, so he's got all the pressure he could ever hope for in uh, year three in Austin. Yeah, and, you know, the hype, you can use it in recruiting. You can say, hey, look, you know, you see all this preseason. You see how many people I'm going to put in the league. You see how many people look. We're on every cover of every tweet, every magazine, every you know, whatever. Right? Well, then you got to go out and win, and that seems to be the problem that Sark has had. He can he can take on the hype. He they had hype at USC. He had a little bit at Washington. He's got a ton at Texas, but he can't seem to win a bunch. So we'll see. I do think it's hilarious that you know. We have no evidence of Texas living up to expectations in over a decade, but yet it's oof, championship or bust. Here's the thing. Yep. If it's championship or bust and those are the expectations and they win eight games this year, is Sark on the hot seat? What? How many wins does Sark have to have this year for him to be on the hot seat? I think if he were to go 8-4 and four this year and he loses to Bama, he loses to OU, I think that's a critical game for them too, though they're all focused on the Alabama game this year. Lose to Texas, lose to OU, lose to TCU for like the 13th time in 15 years, it would feel like. And whoever else on their schedule, pick a team, Kansas State. If they were to lose, you know, go, just go 8-4 and four and lose to OU and Bama, I, I think that Texas fans would be having some uh, real conversations about their future. And magically, Travis, it would start being brought up around there and nationally. Huh, well, you know what? If you go back and look at Sark's entire resume, there's not really a whole lot of proof of some long sustained success as a head coach. Like he's had enough years as a head coach to have that, but huh? Yeah, as we look back, I I guess there's not a whole lot of success to to speak of. That's not the case now. He goes 8 and 4 this year. That'll be maybe the narrative next year going into the SEC. Right, and you know, I brought up recruiting with Brent uh, as far as it, you know, pertain to the temperature of his seating, if you will. But is it a situation where, hey, he landed Arch Manning? But he's, he's, got, he's got all the time he Maybe. needs until Arch Maybe, Manning's off man. campus. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, the number one overall player by at least what I, what I think every service maybe had Arch as the number one player. What, mm-hmm. Whether you think that's legit or not, and there's definitely people that, that don't think that's legit. I'm in that camp. I think you are as well. 
Yeah, there, there may be some truth to that. Yeah, we got a Manning on campus. We'll take our chances if that means keeping Sark around a year or two longer than we should. Um, here, here's, here's what it looked like. Big 12 preseason poll released today at 1 p.m. Texas at number one with 41 first-place votes. Kansas State at two with 14 first-place votes. OU at three with four first-place votes. Tech at four with four first-place votes. TCU at five with three. Baylor at six. Oklahoma State at seven with one first-place vote. Uh, UCF at eight. KU at nine. Iowa State at 10. BYU at 11. Houston at 12. Cincinnati at 13. And West Virginia at 14. Travis, I, I ask you this, and I also ask it to the text line as well. OU at three. Is that too high? Is that too low? Or is that dead on balls accurate? No, I think it is one spot too low. I think OU should be picked to finish second because of the amount of talent they have. They, I mean, they still have a ton of talent. The amount of talent they brought in, when you look at guys like Reggie Pearson, Desan McCullough, Trace Ford, Rondell Bothroyd, Austin Stogner, uh, Walter Rouse, Caleb Schaefer. I mean, you, you're looking at guys that can contribute, you know, immediately, right? So you look at that, and you, you just, again, we come back to it every time, Tyler. It's the schedule. Nobody if, has a better schedule if, than OU this year. man. If, if you are willing you. to say that you want to pick OU to finish third, that means that the two teams in front of them have to win. I don't know. If you just look at win totals, I mean, they got to win at least ten games, right? I mean, and, and they're doing it against tougher schedules than what we have. So not only do we have more talent, but we also have easier schedules. So I think that pretty much equates to – at least the number two spot. So I don't. I, I don't want to be egregious and say we should be picked to win it because I do realize we went six and seven last year in Texas. You know, was smoked us last year without our quarterback. But I think two is right. What do you think? Um, no, I, I'm good with two. I, I look here, here's here's the reality, Travis. If if you don't pick OU to make the Big Twelve championship game with this schedule, then you have to believe that there's some real issues going on with this football program. You got to believe that Britt Venables is not the guy. Like, you get the point. If OU can't make the Big 12 championship this year with this schedule, then there's some real legitimate problems. If they can't finish second out of 14th with the easiest schedule in the league, then, yeah, there are some real issues because OU plays 1, 5, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 13, and 14. We've mentioned that a few times already, right? They play two teams in the top six, and neither of those two games are true road games. Like, let's look at Texas, for instance, okay? Um, they've got to play – they are the number one team. They've got to play the number two team, Kansas State. They've got to play the number three team, Oklahoma. They've got to play the number four team, Texas Tech. They've got to play the number five team, TCU. They've got to play the number six team, Baylor. So they play two through six all the way through. So that means what they play four of the top six, OU only plays two. OU's schedule is dramatically more favorable than Texas is this year. Oh, absolutely. And, again, I I don't want any of the listeners out there to think that it's, oh, well, OU should finish, at least make it to the Big 12 championship because we're just going to be really, really, really good. I think there's a possibility that we're really good. But so much of my prediction is based on the schedule. Yeah, and I, I think that that's a totally a fair way to look at it. By the way, um, 
we mentioned it last hour, but Doug and Norman looked at all three major preseason uh, college football magazines, Athlon, Lindy's, and Feel Steel, and the opponent's consensus average is ranked 60th. 60.25 is the average ranking of all of OU's opponents this year based on those three magazines. You said, hey, Doug, can you do what next year's schedule will look like or would look like with this year's rankings? And that number is 31.1. So essentially cut in half of what you have this year. Like this year, according to the preseason magazines, you play two teams in the top 43, Texas and TCU. With next year's schedule, you would play one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams in the top 43. Eight teams in the top 43, counting Tulane. So, yeah. Massive difference there. God. Take advantage of the favorable situation while you have it. That's that's the point. Because you will never have it again. Never. Oh, you will never have a schedule like this again. Not in the SEC, ever. I don't care what draw you get or how how favorable of a draw you get in the SEC. It'll still be tougher than anything. It'd be tougher in the SEC than what you have this season. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we'll we'll see how it goes. But, I mean, to the texter's point earlier, I forget um, exactly the name on it, but – there's always that team that surprises out of the Big 12. I do think it was because, uh, you know, the best team in the Big 12 had a bad defense for so long, uh, so they kind of let people get up there. Obviously, TCU was an outlier because that's never happened before, Tyler. You've never had a team that, you know, was picked to be in the middle of the Big 12 go undefeated in the Big 12 regular season and make it to a national championship, win a playoff game. So if we treat TCU just as an outlier, I don't know. I mean – the craziest thing, obviously, that could happen is Kansas is the one to do it, and Kansas goes on to win like 11 games this year. And I do think Kansas is probably our toughest road game, but I don't know. I just don't see it. I'm not, I am not. I can't look at the landscape right now and find a team on our schedule that's that team outside of yeah. maybe Kansas. But Tech, yeah, and, Baylor, and, and, Kansas and we, State, they and, got something to say about it. Sure, and we've gotten a few of these texts today. We just got another one from the uh, 580. I think the talk about the schedule being so easy is premature. Preseason rankings never turn out to be accurate. After half the season, we can make the assessment on the schedule, but to say it is now sets false expectations. Well, a couple of things. One, yes. Um, Preseason rankings don't always turn out to be 100% accurate. We are always talking about a team in the Big 12 that's going to be better than what they're projected right now. The point is you don't play every single team in the Big 12 like you have for a while now. So there could be a team that could surprise, but it could be Texas Tech or it could be Baylor, two teams that you don't play this year, right? So that doesn't change your schedule all that much. If there is a team in the Big 12 that ends up being better, well, if it's Tech or Baylor, and it could be Tech or Baylor, you don't play those two. And another point, Travis, is even if that is true, and I don't even know what the best example would be, let's say that UCF, who's picked to finish eighth, finishes top three in the conference this year, all right? Let's say that UCF ends up being a top 15 team. Well, that improves the schedule, but does it dramatically change the schedule and our overall thought of it? Not really. Like, I don't think one team, just one team in this crap schedule really changes the entire thought for me that it's the weakest schedule that I can remember in quite some time. Right. I mean, it's to to the point earlier of the teams being ranked, the entire schedule being ranked 60th, uh, you know, of all the opponents being ranked the average of 60th, and the SEC jumping to 31. If if one of those teams 
goes off. You say UCF, you know, it could be them. It could be, I don't know, Iowa State or BYU or somebody like that 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 really takes off this year. Okay, that raises the average to what, 57? 56? And it's I mean, still Iowa State. It's still BYU. Like, you, you get the point there. Like, there's not right. a – there's not an Auburn on there that's, well, I mean, the we've seen Auburn, the though, surprise. Right, right, exactly. You're going to get that in the SEC. Like, ooh, Auburn's picked 35th, but we've seen Auburn some years be really – like I mean, the pool that you have to choose from is like OSU, UCF, KU, Iowa State, BYU, Cincinnati, and West Virginia. Like, not likely candidates. Yeah, it, it, again, it's – that's the thing about moving to the SEC, Tyler, is they recruit at a different level. So they have the dudes, typically a couple dudes just on campus that, you know, could, you know, really break out and to be that first-round type talent and this, that, and the other. Or at least there's a better opportunity since they have more guys like that. But we're not dealing with teams that have the arsenal to really get that done as much. And I think some people, Tyler, are really – caught up in the recency bias of a couple things. I think there's some things that have the OU fan base just completely by the neck. The DJ Hicks recruitment, they assume that every recruitment's going to go like the DJ Hicks recruitment, and TCU in 2022. They think, well, nobody saw TCU coming. No, yeah, I agree. We didn't either, but that's that's what's called an outlier. And you have to treat you can't treat outliers like the rules. And the rules are if you don't have a ton of talent and you're picked to win, you know, six and a half or five games, that you're probably not going to win 11. Like, not a lot of people double their, their Vegas win total. Yeah. Look, and this schedule is not a guarantee that OU makes the playoff or to wins the conference or even wins 10 or 11 games this year there's just a really good opportunity to do so, and that's the point. Like, we'll see how much better of a football team OU actually is, but, God, they've got a great opportunity to at least win 10 games this year because they're going to be favored in 11, man. That that, that much I'm, I'm pretty confident in. They're going to be favored to win 11 games next year, um, but you got to at least win 10. It's been kind of the story of the offseason, the point of the offseason, but the schedule looks uh, really weak and nothing about the Big 12 preseason poll really – changed a whole lot of opinions about that is there any team that you see that's ranked way too high or or way too low here i don't know if you have the rankings pulled up in front of you but any team mm. stick out to you and say "Ooh, yeah that's 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 way too kind or that's they're, they're gonna be a lot better than that well it's kind of interesting it, for me at least it's a bit of a slap in the face to west virginia i don't expect them to be great by any means but to finish last when you've got all these new teams coming in, uh, it's just – that's pretty rough. I also think UCF is probably a bit low. Um, and I'm – tell you what, like I'm, I'm decently bullish, as I guess as bullish as I've ever been on Kansas, which isn't, isn't saying much. But I do think Kansas is actually going to be pretty good this year because I think they've got the quarterback play to do it. Uh, UCF would be if, if I had to pick a team that's ranked too low, I would probably say UCF at eight. The only thing is, man, their schedule's kind of like Cincinnati gets uh, I, uh, three of the four get OU or, or, or Texas at home, except UCF's the only one that doesn't. So BYU gets OU at home, Cincinnati gets OU at home, Houston gets Texas at home, UCF doesn't get OU or Texas in Orlando, which is kind of weird. So they don't have just kind of. And UCF has to go to OU, 
UCF did not get a kind or favorable draw in their first year in the conference. So I like their quarterback. I actually like their head coach and like their football team a little bit. I don't love their schedule, but I could still see them as a team that, you know, maybe finishes in the top five, top four of the league if things go right for them and they stay healthy. Yeah, I could agree with that. I mean, there's a lot of unknown with them right now. I mean, obviously being those new teams in the schedule, they've got to – They've got to go to the new places. They've got to stay in the new hotels. They've got to—I mean, that stuff—that stuff matters, and that's something that we're going to deal with in the SEC. With just a whole lot of new. It's the same thing, you know. I had touched on the roster being better than last year. I realize we lost a decent amount of talent, but just having the second year in the system, where not everything is new on both sides of the ball, I think that matters immensely. And when you think of adding guys like. Trace Ford and Rondo Bothroyd and Desan McCullough. I mean, you're 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 adding guys that are top end dudes. Um, and again, just second year in the system. I don't know. I, and so I think UCF and a lot of the new teams are going to have to deal with that. Is man, we haven't been to these places before. What's it going to be like? And and we'll see how they handle it. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We're all over the board on the text line right now. We want to know about recruiting. If Dylan Gabriel can complete a pass over the middle of the field, uh, why we think this team is more talented than it was a year ago, we'll get to all that. We'll get to the uh, softball uh, portal edition that OU had today. We'll get to all that coming up next. But real quick, I'm at Westwood Golf today where some people have been uh, taking taking advantage of the weather today, both at Westwood Golf and the Westwood Pool. So if golf's your thing, Westwood Golf is your spot. If the pool is more, more your thing, Water slides, high dives, lazy rivers, they got everything you need all in one complex here at uh, Westwood Golf and Westwood Pool right here in Norman. More to come next. Keep it locked in the ref. We're the homeless Cedar fans. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Kenneth Meyer Chevrolet text line. With Georgia getting the defensive line commitment tonight and getting close to being full, Will that help us with Williams-Winary? All right, a lot to unpack there. First, if you don't know, OU is in on a four-star defensive lineman by the name of Joseph Jonah Jonier. He will be announcing tonight at 9 p.m. Central time. I say OU's in on him. He will. OU will probably have a hat on the table. Joseph Jonah Jonier is going to pick Georgia tonight, though, at 9 p.m. And the question on the text was asking, okay, well, since Georgia's going to get this four-star defensive lineman, does that help OU – with Williams Winery. And I say no impact, man. Like, Georgia will stockpile some defensive linemen like you've never seen before. And Winery, who is ranked in the top ten by at least a couple of recruiting services, he's one of those guys, Travis, to where even if you're quote-unquote full at that spot, you will always take a player of his caliber, uh, caliber no matter what your numbers look like. So I say no effect here. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, I guess it could have – the smallest of percentage. I mean, it's probably a wash because he's going to try and recruit Williams Winery to Athens. But also, part of the reason that he's going to Georgia is I think Joseph Jonah Jonia thinks he's an edge and he's not. But I think Georgia's saying, yeah, we'll let you play edge when it's kind of like the um, Gabriel Brownlow Dindy thing with AM. Like, OU told him and Bates told him, hey, you're going to be playing on the interior. And he's like, oh, I want to play edge. And AM's like, we'll let you play edge. Well, he's not. So, you know, do you, do you be honest with these kids and tell them where they're actually going to be playing so you don't get them all upset and end them in the portal anyways? 
yeah, he probably should. But um, all that all that being said, if he thinks he's going to be an edge, that's the position that Williams Winery plays, and very similar to what you know the skill set Winery actually has. Joseph Jonah Jonia thinks he has it. So, you know, I think it's a wash either way. I think his recruiting efforts of of Williams to Athens will be unsuccessful. I fully expect Winery to be a Sooner. Yeah. Uh, and David Stone as well. Yes. Those two on the D-line. Yeah, yeah that'll, a couple five uh, stars, I'll take them. That'll shut some uh, Todd Bates haters up if you're able to get both Stone and Winery this Will it cycle. Will it yeah, though? Because I, I think say, some that have Todd Bates' nemesis as their name on the text line are probably going to regardless, unfortunately. Yeah, I think Winery, they'll give credit to Chavis, and then I think with Stone they would just say, well, he's a local kid. Yep. You gotta have him, you yeah, know. If, no. if if you if you don't bring him, if you don't bring him in, then you you shouldn't even be coaching football. So we'll see. Uh you're you're probably you'll probably end up being right about that. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, transfer portal for OU softball: two commits or two gets in two days. Yesterday was Peyton Monticelli, pitcher from Wisconsin, two point seven one ERA last year for the badges as a freshman. Today they land Furman catcher Riley Ludlam via the transfer portal. She hit 372 with 41 RBIs and 10 home runs last season. She owns a career 309 batting average, 25 home runs, and 117 RBIs. I think she just has one year of eligibility remaining, but she is a um, she can play multiple positions on the infield, which is always valuable seeing as Patty Gasso always likes to uh, mix up the lineup from game to game. So, essentially, Travis, you got a hitter that hit 372 last year, which you'll never turn down. And what would you say? That would have ranked sixth on uh, OU's uh, roster last year? Correct. Would have ranked sixth. Um, that batting average would have been, I believe, right above Haley Lee. Um, her 10 home runs and RBAs. RBIs definitely would have ranked sixth as well. So um, what's interesting, Tyler, when you look at her stats year by year, you know, as a freshman, she started, you know, 26 games as a freshman in that shortened season, uh, finished with a 263 average. You're like, uh, not, not great. And then she bumps it up to a 302 in her 40 appearances in 2021. You know, bats 279 in 2022, but she's first team all Southern Conference. And then last year, her average jumps nearly 100 points to 372. So this is a girl that's improving dramatically and quickly. And kind of like as we were talking about with with the pitcher, with Peyton, they're, they're going to improve. She has been improving. I have no reason to doubt that she's going to have her best year, you know, this, this coming year in 2024. The same thing I think about Peyton, I think her – ERA will continue to get better and better. Uh, for the 405, is Zion Raggins still in the mix since we already have four wide receiver commits? Zion Raggins is absolutely in the mix, and OU probably leads for Zion Raggins. Um, he's going to announce on July 18th, so in 12 days. And, yeah, I I'll do you one better since o OU already has all these wide receiver commits. They could get Zion Raggins on July 18th, and then if Terry Bussey wants to pick OU the five-star – they could have even more wide receivers in this recruiting class. Now, OU's in the top five for Terry Bussey, A&M, Bama, Texas, OU, and LSU. So maybe OU doesn't lead there, but is there a world where OU could have six wide receivers in this class? 
yeah, if Zion Raggins and Terry Bussey both commit, absolutely there could be. Yeah, they'll they'll figure it out. And now is it, you know, is it possible, Tyler, that they, you know, process or, you know, tell somebody in the class right now? Well, that, and obviously it's not going to be. That could, yeah. Not going to be a guy like, obviously, Zion Kearney. Um, but, you know, and probably not one of the more recent guys. But just saying it, it, it is possible. Anything is possible in recruiting, Tyler. If somebody thinks, uh, you know, I, I kind of like some other schools too, but now we got five, six people in this class, like it might be time to go. Um, it, it's quite possible. But, you know, you kind of saw this coming. This is Emmett Jones' first class. Like, Levy's going to give him a chance to get his guys. So if he wants his guys, I think he's going to let him go get them. So, but, yeah, those two are takes all day. OU still leads for Zion Reagans, and I expect OU to be the pick there, and then we'll see where the chips fall. Yeah, uh, you get Terry Bussey and Zion Raggins along with what you already have. Um, that is really going to push for the top wide receiver class in uh, in 2024. And Emmett Jones doing just fine in his first recruiting class. Ain't no doubt about that. Uh, okay, real quick, I have a list here of the 12 best position groups in all of college football. So give me one, two, three off the top of your head. Like when you think of the – Single best position groups in all of college football. What do you think of, and, and, and I'm interested to see if they're on this list or not. Let's see. Best position groups in all of college football. I'm going to go – I'm going to go Ohio State's wide receiver room. Yeah, that's it, number one, and it's, it's, it's been that way. They've been loaded there for a while now. That's, that's number one. Good guess. Um, I would – I would say, let's see, what publication did this? That'll be uh, this is twenty four. This twenty four seven. This who put this so, out? Texas's wide receiver group. Well, close. Um, Texas quarterback room was uh, at number ten on this list. So I, I don't know if they saw the shirtless picks from Quinn Ewers, Malik Murphy, and Arch Manning, and said, "Oh my gosh, those guys are ripped. They're college kids, and they're ripped." Texas is going to be unbelievable at quarterback this year. I don't know if that's the reason, but they say Texas QB room is the 10th best position group in all of college football. It's wild. Um, I mean, maybe Michigan running backs? Uh, let's see. Michigan's offensive line. Michigan's retooled offensive line was at number five on here. Their running back room, nice, is at number three on this list. So number one was Ohio State's wealth at wide receiver. Number Georgia two, tight ends? Number two is USC stable of quarterbacks. Number yeah. three is Michigan's running back room. Number four is Georgia's NFL-ready defensive fronts. Number five is Michigan's retooled offensive line. Number six is Georgia's loaded secondary. Seven is Clemson's talented backer. Number eight is Penn State's two-headed monster at running back. Nine is LSU's depth at backer. And then ten is um, Texas sitting pretty at quarterback. So. Hmm. No OU hmm. to be found there, which is not that surprising, but still amazed that the Texas quarterback room found its way in the top ten. It had to. I mean, one and of that's these why is I... unlike the other. Like you talk about, you talk about a group that's so unproven. Like all of those others, I can point to some success at some point, but Texas quarterback room is really the only one that I can't point to. Oddly the enough, ab the absolute best quarterback, according to actually what they've done in college in their room right now, um, hasn't done diddly squat in college yet going into his third yeah. year yeah 
how many games did he win last year? I, I know that he was sidelined for a few, but um, they don't have a quarterback that's won 10 games their entire career up to this point. So uh, just, the, the, the hype is unreal, man. And then when you factor in that they got 41 first-place votes in the Big 12 preseason poll today, which was far more. They got over half the first-place votes uh, that, that were uh, in that Big 12 preseason poll. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, we'll talk more about that. OU ranked uh, number three to start the season by the media in the Big 12 preseason poll. And a lot more college football coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. Final hour of the rush, taking you home on a Thursday evening. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. I'm live at Westwood Golf right here in Norman. Check out Westwood Golf. Check out the Westwood Pool this summer. A text from the 918. I seen that picture of UT's quarterback room. I would be really surprised if Malik Murphy isn't a running back by the time he graduates college. Dude is huge. Yeah, he is a massive human being. And Malik Murphy looked the best in that photo out of uh, Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. It's just crazy to me, Travis, that people see college kids, Division I college athletes with abs, and they say, oh, my gosh, he's so in shape, he's going to have an incredible year this year. It's a Division I college athlete with the best nutrition plan and the best workout plans imaginable to a kid that age. I, I, I'd be worried if they weren't in shape. It, it just always makes me laugh when people say, Quinn Ewers has a six-pack. Therefore, he will make it to New, to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony this year. Yeah, and, you know, when for those of you that remember when Kirk Cousins kept on putting on all those chains after wins and dancing on planes, he was on the Pat McAfee show shortly after, and he was like, bro, where'd those abs come from? And he's like, well, when I was at Michigan State, I was really jacked, right? I looked good on the beach, and, you know, when I went to the Senior Bowl, like the combat, like they, they said how jacked I was, all this. He's like, I quickly realized that, you know, having a six-pack has little to do with playing quarterback at a high level. <laughs> right. That's why guys like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and these guys, they, you know, they have, they, they don't have the prototypical, you know, shredded, you know, body that a lot of these wide receivers and running backs and, and things like that have. He's like, it has more to do with flexibility and, and, and this, that, and the other, right? So it's just funny, and to your point, yeah, they're college athletes with every morsel, uh, you know, being – being watched for them and, uh, you know, access to trainers and, you know, they're in their physical prime, if you will, for that. Yeah, shocking that they have six-packs. But also, that doesn't really matter for the quarterback position. I mean, other positions, maybe sure, but the quarterback position, it doesn't matter. I uh, I just think it's a, another sign of the hype that Texas is getting in this offseason that their quarterbacks or quarterback, whichever, because it's happened in both ways, can post a picture shirtless and everyone's like, oh, my God, this is the year of Quinn Ewers. It's the year of the Texas quarterback. Watch out. Um, OU, on the other hand, you know, they're, they're not getting much love nationally. And, and if you're one that believes in, oh, more fuel to the fire, if you're one that believes, oh, all this disrespect is just going to – it's just going to bode even better. Uh, bo it, good things are going to happen now for OU this upcoming season. I, if you believe in that, if you subscribe to that – it's been the perfect offseason for OU, in your opinion, most likely. Um, picked to finish third in the Big 12 preseason poll today. Only had one player on the preseason All-Big 12 team yesterday, while KU had four in Cincinnati. Their first year in the conference had two. 
it has been the offseason of disrespect to OU. So for those of you out there that love the uh, fuel-to-the-fire mentality, you have certainly gotten your wish over the past five to six months. Yeah, and, it, you know, it kind of rings back to, you remember when Miguel Chavis uh, opened uh, spring ball with uh, with that one quote? Do you remember it? Uh, I remember Todd Bates' quote at the 7-Eleven. I'm trying to remember what um, – what Chavis so said. What do you want to go to the playoff, or do you oh, want yes. to go to the Cheez It Bowl? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Which uh, R.I.P. Cheez It Bowl. I think that's the Pop Tart Bowl now. But it is um, correct. But but regardless, I, I'm sure the staff is absolutely loving this, Tyler, because that's what they've been trying to instill this whole off season. Remember six and seven. Remember you were at the Cheez It Bowl. Remember that. Remember how bad you were. Remember and and think, because we were so bad, one person on the All Big Twelve, like one per like take all that disrespect and do something with it. And so I think the coaching staff's looking at it and saying, "Sweet, bring it on." Yeah, I I don't think that Brent Venables is upset by uh, by any of this that. His team only got four first-place votes. They had the same amount of first-place votes as Texas Tech did today and picked to not even play in the conference championship game by the media. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he likes uh, – I'm sure Britt Venables is one of the ones that subscribes to the more fuel to the fire. And um, we'll, see where they're, we'll see where they're ranked in the preseason poll. Travis, I think it's probably going to be somewhere 21 to 25 is where OU starts in the preseason. Yeah, it'll be interesting, no doubt about it. I think I think that's probably fair. You know, I think a lot of fans probably would wish that we were unranked, and that may be what we you know deserve coming off a six and seven year. But with a lot of unknowns, you know, with us having a few more knowns specifically at quarterback, you know, it, he's at least a known commodity over his time, you know, in college football. If he has just his career averages this year again, he'll finish the number five or finish the season as the number five career yardage leader in college football history. So you know what you have at quarterback. And if you just assume the defense is going to take a jump, yeah, I think 21 to 25 is fair. Who do you think – what do you think the absolute high end of where we could be ranked? Absolute high absolute end. Absolute high end. Um, and obviously this is not what I think they'll be. It's just where I think they'll be ranked. 15, man. I think the top 10 is pretty solid for the most part. Um, 11 through 15 can be a little interchangeable. Uh, I think you're going to have, like, Notre Dame there. I think you'll have Tennessee there. Um, I can think of a few other teams that I think might be there as well. I, I think 15 is probably on the high side going into the season of where OU is going to be. But I, like I said, I think most likely it'll be 21 to 25. Yeah, I, I, I think yeah, I think you'll have some people say, oh, 17, 18. They'll look at the close games of last year saying, hey, look, you know, I think Joel Klatt had us kind of up there, didn't he? In kind of his, like, way early season, way preseason type, way too early rankings is saying, look, you know, they are going to be better on defense because Brent Venables haven't, hasn't forgotten how to coach defense after 25 years of doing it better than really anybody. Uh, and then, you know, five close losses, you play three teams that, you, or you don't play three teams you lost to last year. I could see somebody getting us up in the 16-17 range. Captain Willard says, I think BV probably just has a big banner that says, world thinks OU sucks with all the takes listed below. That would have to be like the old uh, tarp in the end zone at Baylor, Floyd Casey Stadium. 
They're going to have to put a tarp in the stadium to have all the uh, the takes that have been out there this offseason <laughs> that OU's going to suck. <laughs> you know, That's not an indoor banner, Travis. It's got to be a little bit bigger than that. It's going to have to cover the, uh, the south end zone or something. Yeah, I would support it. I would support it. I think they'd be down. Maybe that's what the renovations. And maybe instead of the uh, um, the press box, they're actually just making a big scrolling, you know, kind of ribbon banner, if you will, of just hateful tweets throughout the year. Uh, from the nine one eight, we were making fun of the guys that were drooling over uh, Texas quarterbacks in their shirtless picks a few minutes ago. This text says, yeah, have you seen the guy shirtless that will be destroying them for the next two years? His name is Desan McCullough. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I said the, uh, you know, it doesn't matter for quarterbacks. Uh, physical build and, you know, good muscles, it matters when uh, those are the guys doing the hitting. You feel that. So yeah. I'm, I'm uh, all about all right. that. Billy Bowman jack, too. We will uh, close things coming up next with uh... – well, another issue going on with Georgia this offseason. Yes, they've won back-to-back national champs. They're the best program going in college football right now. But, man, they have had some uh, real troubles off the field this offseason. And apparently it's happened uh, once again. Is it a big deal? What exactly happened? We'll run that, d- run that down coming up next right here on The Ref for the Homeless Sooner fans. All right, final segment of the day. It is The Rush on The Ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. And during that break, Maybe another Georgia football player got in trouble. I don't know, but it keeps happening this offseason. Another UGA football player was cited for high-speed driving, this time for going 88 miles per hour in a 55-mile-per-hour zone. So, hey, a college kid going 33 miles per hour over, it's not smart, and no way am I defending it, but that's not the first time it's ever happened. However, Travis... When you combine that with everything else that's been going on this offseason, um, I don't. I just don't know what to think about what's going on up there at Athens. It's been a very bad look these past six months, man. Yeah, it's again. You said it. It's when you, when two a staffer and a player have lost their life in a speeding accident, reckless driving accident after your national championship celebration, and it continues to be a problem. I mean, this is something. This is something somebody's got to look at, right? And you know, you had mentioned it before. Is anybody going to have the guts to ask Kirby about this at SEC Media Days, or is it just going to be, "Hey, how do you think you look when you you know see your reflection in your trophy, Kirby? What what do you think? Do you do you yeah. think that you guys are going to be good on defense again this year? Hey, Kirby, do you think uh, you guys are disrespected and you're probably only going to win six games, like you said last year? Like. No, somebody needs to actually say, hey, look, what's going on here? Let's say they, well, if they don't win the national championship or don't win the SEC. Is this going to be brought up as the big reason why Georgia didn't three-peat or win the SEC over Alabama, LSU, or whoever else? Like, I, I, I feel like it's a big thing now, but to your point, it almost feels like it's going to be a bigger thing if Georgia underachieves this year, which is weird, but I feel like that's how it's going to go down. Right, I mean, but that's what's a bummer, right? Because this is a freshman linebacker that got in the, this ticket today, the 88-mile-an-hour ones. He's probably not going to contribute this year, you know, so this year may not affect the team at all. Will a speeding a t- ticket affect the team? No, it, it largely won't, you know, because he, he'll pay his ticket or he'll show for his court date or whatnot. But 
it's it's really not the point at the end of the day, right? Is what, what if somebody else is killed? Like that's yeah. that's the problem. Is seriously, what, man. What if somebody else is? I mean, at that point, I mean, there are going to be some people, and not just the message board crazies, but I guarantee you, if somebody if somebody gets hit by a Georgia football player and their you know their family member gets killed or something like that, they're gonna they're gonna demand some answers from Kirby Smart. You know, yeah, right or true. wrong. You know, you can say boys will be boys and all this, that, and the other. But when you see a, a trend start to develop, there has there has to be some type of action taken. Uh, okay, Joseph Jonah Ajonier, four-star defensive lineman, speaking of Georgia, announcing at 9 p.m. tonight, Central via live stream. Georgia's got all the buzz there. That's Joseph Jonah Ajonier's dream school. Um, as we've mentioned a few times today, will OU have a hat on the table? Yeah, probably. Oh, you might have a hat on the table. Maybe they'll even have some of those old uh, foam schooner hats that you used to see, used to see around here 15, 20 years ago. <laughs> However, he's going to put on the Georgia hat, most likely. Uh, Georgie, the, uh, Georgia, the heavy favorite there, most likely uh, going to get in tonight. So that's how that's going to go down, unfortunately. Appreciate Westwood Golf for having us out. Go visit the Westwood Pool as well. We'll be back tomorrow right here on The Ref. We're the homeless Cedar fans.